listening to First Church Charlotte. of the Lord. We have been talking on Wednesday nights on this subject of biblical uh, ethics, and we are, we are approaching the end of that. And I want to, if you will allow me, I, I want to spend a, a few moments on that tonight. And let's try to, if, if we don't get all the way to an ending, maybe we can get uh, the beginnings of an ending and see if we can uh, sort this out as a kind of package it all in a manner that we all can grow from and uh, live from. So I want to read again our theme passage from John 8. Stand with me very quickly, John 8. Uh, You have heard this before, but I will uh, read it again. Jesus is in this passage here saying to to the Pharisees who have not received him, uh, he is saying this to them uh, in verse number 19. They said to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered and said, you know neither me nor my father. If you would have known me, then you would have known my father also. And a few scriptures down, uh, he says this, you are, <laughs> you are of your father, the devil, <laughs> which is a pretty, pretty strong uh, statement for, for anyone to make. And so we're talking, uh, uh, continuing our Bible study into Christian ethics. Before you're seated, uh, smile at your neighbor and say, I'm sure tonight is spe- specifically for you. <laughs> You may be seated. <laughs> so I want to I want to uh, read the passage just a little bit further down. Jesus says to those uh, religious scholars and lawyers, and he says to them, after they have strongly suggested that he has no right to be in the temple, no right to have any religious. Uh, Authority, uh, and they 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 use the argument that his his mother wasn't married when she became pregnant, and they make this accusation to him, and he responds by saying this this to them, I I tell you what, well let me see, you are of your father the devil, verse forty four, and the desires of your father you want to do, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your devil of of your father the devil you want. <laughs> to do. And so uh, we are we are talking about ethics. I, I confess this is not the most exciting subject. Uh, in fact, most preachers might preach on it. Uh, well, let me not pick a date. Let me just say infrequently. I certainly am not. It's not something I jump up and down about preaching about. But ethics is very much a part of our knowledge of God. Uh, I started out this series making a specific point that not, that ethics flow from the nature of God. He is not of the flesh. He is of the spirit. Uh, His heart is good and he is love and he is light. And whereas our nature inclines us to be competitive one with another, to try to take advantage one with one of the other, our nature lends us toward our wants and our lusts. Uh, That is of our father, the devil. 
Uh, it is that error that started in Eden where our nature is turned away from what God intended us to be and we have turned into this spiteful, harsh, critical, self-promoting uh, type of being that was not what God intended for us to be. And when God invites us, when God invites us to live as, or shall I say, live as, as of his kingdom or as of his heart, when God invites us to do that, it is an invitation to divine holiness. Holiness is a subject that is of God. Uh, it is what God is. God is holy. In other words, he is completely different than us. He is holy. It is in his nature to do good. It is in his nature. He has no need or desire to lie. And as we are transformed, I've talked about this a good bit, so let me just touch it and move along. As we are transformed, we lose the desires of this world. Do you see? And so our hearts are changed from the desires of the flesh <clears throat> to the desires of God. I said something to provoke you and make you think, and so I'll say it again. You cannot obey your way to holiness. You must be transformed. You must have your nature changed where you don't want the things of the world. This is the point of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, You have heard it said in times past, Thou shalt not commit adultery. I say to you, if it's in your heart, it's the same as if you did it. You see, it's a nature problem. We must be born again. Jesus sits across from um, uh, uh, the the the. Sanhedrin council member, the lifelong religious law scholar, and he says to him, you must be born again. This isn't about a better obedience. This isn't about a stronger obedience. This is about a change in your heart. And as we desire to become like God, and as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, it should produce transformation in us, not to give us a better obedience, but to give us a better nature we become partakers of the divine nature. And so when I repent, I don't simply say, God, I'm sorry for committing a sin. I say, Lord, I'm sorry for the desires that are in my heart to even desire that. Would you transform me where I can be surrounded by sin, but untouched by it, because then I can be a missionary. If you transform me, I won't want uh, uh, a passion of the flesh. I will want to be joined together in covenant with my wife. Right. Let me get real. I won't want to look at a strength. Men, I won't want to look at another woman in any desire to take or receive anything for her because what I want is to be joined together in my covenant with my wife. You see, my nature is being transformed. If you only have obedience, then you're a slave. If your nature's been changed, now you have a chance to be a slave that is, says, I choose this way. I have my, to use a New Testament image, I take a mark, and in the in the uh, the day of the the biblical writings, the slaves that chose to stay were making a sign. They are no longer a slave; they are a free individual who chooses to stay in the household of the one who gave them such grace and such love. That is who we are when we are transformed in our spirit. We don't want the world, the world. We don't want the things of the world. And so, when you pray, it's not enough to try to be more obedient than you were 
yesterday. You missed the point. The point was to have your heart transformed to the things of God. So ethics stream from the nature of God. And ethics are founded upon Scripture. Why? Because Scripture is our revelation of God. Scripture is the way we get to know God better. It is how God has chosen to reveal himself to us. That is Scripture. And so ethics flow from the nature of God. And we learn them through the revelation of God, which is holy scripture. I also spent some time talking about the principle uh, or the idea of principles, rules, and convictions. Just to reiterate these things. A principle is something that is given to us in scripture that can be placed in any context and it will still speak truth to you. Uh, You can place it 2,000 years ago, it will speak truth to you. You can place it now, it will speak truth to you. You can place it in the future, it will speak truth, truth to you. Give you an example. In the scripture, Jesus emphasizes the heart of a believer, the way of one who would follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this, if a soldier taxes you for one mile of labor, you should have in your heart to give more than is asked for, and you would give an extra mile. Now, if you look at that like a rule, you are free from that scriptural teaching because no one is going to tax your labor in the form of making you carry a bag for a mile. Well, your wife may tax you in that way, but no one else is going to tax you like that. But if you see it as a principle, you see the point is about loving your enemies. Do you see it as a principle? Can I, can, uh, can you say, can you turn up my monitors just a little bit? Um, I'm straining my voice a little bit. And if I could hear myself, it would raise my self-esteem just, just, just a little bit. Um, I want you to see the principle. If you take it as a rule, you cheapen the text. Do you see? This happens over and over again. If you see it only as a rule, it cheapens the text and you're tempted to find a way to get out from behind the rule, to find a way where it doesn't apply to you, uh, and thus you have found yourself deep in legalism. But if you see it as a principle, you understand it's not enough for someone to say, oh, well, I haven't been asked to carry uh, the bags of a Roman soldier for a mile, so we'll just ignore this part. If you see it as a principle of loving your your enemies, the very person who is oppressing you, you show them not just duty, but kindness. Y'all didn't hear me, but that's about as good as I can do. You see, that's the principle. It's about loving your enemies. You're not just doing your duty. You're showing the very person oppressing you. You're showing them kindness. So these principles are foundational. A rule is something specific to a context. You say, I'm not going to do this. That is a rule. Uh, We're always tempted to misuse rules and find technicalities where we get around those rules. It is as old as religion itself. Uh, And finally, there are convictions. So a principle uh, is something that is, is over 
overarching our lives. It overarches the generations. It is true in the time of Jesus. It is true in the Middle East, medieval church. It is true in the 50s. It is true in uh, 2019. It overarches. Almost everything you find in Scripture is in the form of principle. Almost everything the Bible gives us is in form of principle. If I'm going to be a Bible preacher, what I would do is I would preach the principle that is given to us in the Bible. My goal as a, a spiritual communicator, my goal as a instructor of Scripture, my goal as a teacher of righteousness is to continually place in front of you spiritual and scriptural principles. What you then have to do is apply the principle in the context of your life. You apply that principle in the context of your life. It'll apply a little bit differently concerning where you came from. It'll apply a little bit differently concerning where you work or whether or not you work. (laughs) It'll apply a little bit differently what your hobbies are. How you apply a rule in your hobbies will be different if you have a different hobby than I do. Do you see? And so uh, the scripture gives us principle. The job of the preacher is to uh, place the principle in front of you. The job of the believer is to take spiritual principle and decide what it means for them. How am I going to live? You see, when you live a certain way, hear me, I as a teacher, I as a preacher, I don't want to speak beyond the scripture. I don't want to speak clearly when the scripture is vague. I don't want to speak vague when the scripture is clear. I don't want to go beyond the scripture. I don't want to hold back from less from the scripture. But your job and my job is to take spiritual principle and apply it in the context of our life. What will that be. That effort we make of applying scripture principle can be three things in your life. We talked about this also. Number one, how you apply spiritual principles. In other words, how you love your enemies, how you love your enemies. It can be one of three things. It can be a statement of your identity. If you are of God, your life should testify that you are his. Your life should testify that your heart is not after the kingdoms of this world. Your heart is after the kingdoms of God. You, the kingdom of God. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. It makes no sense to say you're a Christian if you're more greedy than your neighbor. You see, it's identity. How we live, the rules that apply to my life, all of the scriptures of uh, 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 that are shown to us over and over that give us spiritual principle. You then you decide what that means for you. You turn principle into your rules for living and for life, and those rules will testify of identity. They will make a statement about how serious you are about serving God in his righteousness and in his uh, His nature. It will be identity for you. Secondly, it will be worship for you. Jesus says again, uh, in, uh, or at least two places in scripture, we have the words of Jesus saying uh, something like this, if you love me, keep my commandments. You will see over and over this association in scripture, and I, I've I spent more time on this earlier, not going to do it tonight. Um, you will see this association where if you 
love me, do what I've asked you to do. Show me so your rules can be identity. This is who I am in God. Number two, they can be worship. And number three, they can be witness. Let men and women see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so this is what our life becomes when we are serious about living our life right, when we are serious and sincere about doing. It's much more about a burden in your heart than it is a judgment you place upon others. Do you see what it can be? You've taken spiritual principles and you're trying to sort out what that means for you. You work in a certain environment. You have a certain set of hobbies. You come from a certain set of backgrounds. God saved you from some things. Your family has some generational curses on it. And so what you have to do is take spiritual, biblical principles and say, what I'm going, what I'm going to do with these to let my light shine. It will be much more powerful if you choose it than it will be if a pastor made you do it. You have to see this. You, If you do it because I told you, if I turn a principle into a rule, you will lose your witness because everyone will be able to write you off as a member of a cult. You're not doing it for you. You're doing it because of a top-down rule system in your life. But when you say, look, I want my life to... Man, I wish I could preach tonight. I want my life to mean something. I want the way I talk to give evidence of my God. I want the way I live. I want the manner in which I live my life, raise my kids, work my career, enjoy my hobbies. It should testify that you're not of the this world. You're of another world. You're not of this kingdom. You're of another kingdom. And so as a preacher, my job is to continually invite you to these principles that are founded and repeated and replace voice after voice after voice. And I'm going to give you some guidelines in just a moment on that. But I want you to see when you choose it, it's testimony. When I make you do it, it's weird. And a bunch of you are nodding your head because a light bulb just went on in your head. When you choose a life that is a testimony of God, it's a, really? You do that? Yeah, that's, I've decided to do this. I've decided that, I, I've decided that we're not going to go to those kind of places. I've decided well, what, does your preacher not let you? No, my preacher has nothing to do with it. The Bible gives us principles to live by, and I'm trying to work it out, and I'm not better than you. This is not a plan of salvation. I can't save me. This is identity. This is worship. This is witness. I don't want to be of this world. Do you see the power of that witness to people who are unchurched, unbelievers? It is identity. I am his and he is mine. This is a covenant one to another between my heart and his, my, and my creator. It's identity. It's worship. I do it because of his beauty, his glory, and his mercy. And finally, others can see the light of change. 
I used to be a certain kind of person, but you'll notice I'm not that way anymore. I've been changed and not what I used to be. I've been rearranged since the Spirit set me free. So, all right, moving along. I want to read to you five lists, five times in the New Testament. There may be, there may be a couple more, but this is the big ones. Five times uh, the writers make lists of sins that are not going to be in the kingdom of God. Now, in some places, um, it, it is clear uh, that these are uh, truly sal. Uh, I, want to be, I want to be careful how I say this because there's, some, there's a clarity here I'm wanting to give you, uh, but at the same time, I'm not wanting to confuse anyone. So let me try to say this caref- carefully. Um, the kingdom of God is, is the dominion of God working here on earth. That's the kingdom of God now. But a day is going to come when this dominion is going to end and then we are going to be with him. One writer said face to face as he is, we're going to be eternal. And so the kingdom of God here has a certain feel, a certain style. And there I will, maybe next week we'll go over some of the positive lifts, joy and, and whatever's good and whatever's positive. The kingdom of God here on earth has a feel, um, but there also is a kingdom of God after judgment. And so everything after judgment is an issue uh, that, that comes becomes primarily salvational. You didn't make it, okay? In the meantime, there's a way of being here on earth before judgment has come. And I, 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 I'm, I'm afraid I'm confusing this more than, than anything else, but I want you to see the difference between how we, you know, we answer the question, dearly beloved, how then should we live? Okay, that's here and now. Um, uh, there's mercy for covering us here, here and now, and there's forgiveness available to us here and now. Uh, but so I, I didn't help that at all. Just scratch that whole part. That, that was nothing but confusion. But there is a difference in salvation and the kingdom of God here on earth. Okay, so that's what I'm trying to, to, to pay uh, at least some, some uh, homage to here. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 9. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Boy, that's pretty broad, isn't it? wrongdoers. There's not much chance for any of us. Do not be deceived. Now here comes the lists. These are lists and they can be helpful to us. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, slanderers, nor swindlers, have you ever heard of a church with a standard against swindling? I, in my whole, I've never heard anybody taken off the platform before being a swindle. Now, I've known more than a handful of swindles. It's just a hard, it's, there's a vagueness to it. Uh, what, how, 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 there's some things of the heart that it's easy, it's easy to make a rule, okay? And, um, Man, it's just easy. Boom. And then there's some things it's 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 not so it's not so easy. When do you become a swindler? I mean, I can think of a couple of people that owe me money right now. Are they a swindler? When I was when I was nine years old, I had a hundred dollars saved up, and my dad asked me if he could borrow it to pay in a missionary that we had come through because the church didn't have any money, and so he uh, borrowed my hundred dollars and he paid the missionary with my hundred dollars. And um, every so often, I'd ask him, I'd say, um, "Dad, um, what about that hundred dollars you owe me?" And he'd always say, "It's in the best bank in the world." 
So when I was 11, I asked him, what about that money? He said, it's in the best bank in the world. And then when I was 12, when I was 13, 14, uh, I think 15, he, he gave me $200. See, there was interest accruing all that time. So I just want you to know you weren't a swindle. Uh, I, w- I want you to see. So, so, so w- w- first is moral offenses. None of those moral offenses are worse than any other. They're all moral offenses. Um, I, 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 w- I want to be clear about that. Um, I, there are some churches that, that, that try to treat, um, and this is a very uh, big issue in our time, there are some churches that try to treat homosexuality as a special class of sin, and they're like specially, uh, the Bible doesn't do that. It's just a sin of the flesh. It is a sin of the flesh. They're no better, no worse than any other type of sinner. So a man who can't be true to his wife is just as much of a transgression as someone who is a homosexual in their orientation. And I want you to see, I want you to see that because I think it is, I think it is, it is fair to say that. First is a list of this, of the immoral, uh, transgressions of morality, then thieves, nor greedy. You ever heard of a church setting somebody down for being greedy? But they're not going to be in the kingdom of God. Uh, there are no rules on the greedy. Um, I've been greedy. <laughs> not as greedy as I used to be, but holy moly, you get poor enough long enough, you can feel some greed grow up like a fast-growing shoot of bamboo in your heart. Um, uh, drunkards, that's easier. Slanderers, oh my Lord. You ever heard of church kick someone out of the Sunday school teaching department because they were a slanderer? I've known some slanderers. I want you to see how this unfolds in our life. And then he ends by saying this. None of, the, none of, these, none of these people I've mentioned are going to inherit the kingdom of God. Finally, such were some of you. It's a story of grace. It's a story of grace. All right, so now we're going to go to Corinthians 5 and verse number 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord. Man, there's some folks that just are not going to make it to heaven. (laughs) Hatred. You're going to put hatred on a list with idolatry, which is spiritual immorality, and then sexual immorality. Yes, hatred, discord, jealousy, Oh, my Lord. I know some folks that don't have a chance. They just, they, they just don't have a chance. But anyway, moving right along. You see what I'm saying. Uh, fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Half the preachers I know are just going to get bust, blustered right there. I mean... <laughs> I don't even think I can be saved. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, um, dissensions, dissensions. When's, what have you ever heard someone get kicked out of a church over dissensions? But Paul's making a list. I want you to see what's happening here. Uh, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies. That sounds strange to us because, you know, we're, uh, I'm telling you, in this time, there were people who called it worship. They did it as worship to a deity, okay? And the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, say it with me, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ephesians 5, verse number 3. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed 
because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No sexually immoral, impure, or greedy person Greed beside sexual immorality? Holy moly. Such a person is an idolater, Paul says. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners uh, with them. So, Revelations 22, verse number 12. Look. I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who have washed their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. All right, so let me give you one more list and we'll be done. This is Jesus speaking, Matthew 22, verse number 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these you did not do for me, then you will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Okay, so um, these, if you're looking for sacred uh, lists of rules, this is as close as the Bible gives us. If you're looking for sacred lists, not that I did or your cousin did, but that are the sacred writers of uh, of whom the spirit overshadowed. This is as close as you're going to get to lists. But interestingly, I want you to see that almost, I would say at least half, maybe two-thirds of these things cannot be measured. They are a condition of the heart. Now, this is biblical lists. Again, I didn't make them up. Your favorite preacher didn't make them up. This is biblical lists, and at least two-thirds of them are things that are testimonies of your heart. It's not, it's not a system where someone can check on you. You can fake it. You can hide it. You can lie about it. But be not deceived. God is not mocked. 
this is what it means, in my opinion, if you want to go to Scripture and you want to figure out what it feels like to pursue the kingdom of God here on earth with the goal of being taken from this time of the church and grace into an eternal present with God as part of his bride. What does it feel like? What does it feel like for us to pursue so great an opportunity? Well, let me start by telling you what it can't feel like. It can't feel like going around talking about other people. I promise. Okay, a lot of this stuff is of the heart. A lot of it is, you can't put some line on it. It's of the heart. But if you seriously commit to pursuing the kingdom of God, you need to find yourself a place. And you say, I go here and I make time to seek after the heart of God. Because if I understand his heart, I have a chance of being of his kingdom. Do you see? And this is why I believe there was such a huge distance between the pursuit of the kingdom of heaven through the manner of Jesus Christ and the pursuit of the kingdom of heaven that so many of the house of Israel had fallen into, where they had taken Torah and they had turned it into measurable lines they apply to other people. It completely changes the feel of it. And it turns it from a pursuit of the presence of God into a community of judgment and exclusion. And that's why they were comfortable bringing a woman caught in adultery to Jesus. And Jesus says to her, where are your accusers? Do you have, where are they? She, her whole life had been an experience of accusers. The law accused her. Her neighbors accused her. Her own actions condemned her. Where are your condemners, Jesus asked. The law condemned her. Moses condemned her. The priests condemned her. The whole temple system condemned her. But when Jesus made it clear that the kingdom of God was a heart issue to be pursued in humility, they all walked away. You see, as long as we have a line whereby we get to decide whether one another are where they should be, we have created a society of the similar to what the house of Israel had created. But as long as we have such a divine sense of God's holiness and God's righteousness, we are never content, never happy being the one to point a finger because so much of the kingdom of God, we're not even sure if we're getting right. Oh, y'all, I, I, that's, that's as good as I can do right there. Do you see this list? There's so much of it. You don't even know if you're getting right. I don't even know if I'm getting it right. Do you see? Half of it, you don't even know, but it's there, and in the spirit, it's clear. So clear. That five times 
anointed men and wants even Christ himself in the passages we read, makes a list. And you read that list and you're just not sure where you are. Why? Because the invitation of heaven to us is not an accomplishment. It's in a journey. It is a journey. It's not an accomplishment. It's not a graduation certificate. It's a journey. Do you see? So watch this. Last year, when you read the lists and you thought, how am I doing? That was a year ago. Since then, you've learned some things. And Christ is not ready to, uh, God is not ready to stamp you. He is saying, come a little closer. And so the kingdom of God for all of us is this continual drawing. Could I be a little more generous? Could I be a little more kind? Could I be a little more inclusive? And the answer is always yes. Yes. So wherever you are tonight is where you are. The only step that matters is the next one. You see? The only step that matters. It doesn't matter where I think you should be. Only thing that matters is where you be. (laughs) I went to Garinger. (laughs) Doesn't matter where you, I think you should be. Only thing that matters is where you be. Now what? Let me tell you what. The Lord is beckoning you to turn your eyes toward the kingdom of heaven and say there's a better reason to live. There's a better way to walk. There's a better... So out of biblical principles comes the rules that we live. And I've taken up too much time, got excited about this. So let me just end with this. Uh, Musicians, you can come and play something to encourage them. I write a song about how... Brother Nathan teaches too long, but we still love him. Brother Nathan just teaches too long. Give me a chord, brother. I'll sing it. No, moving along. How then do we, how then do we derive our rules? What can our rules be? Your choices. They are relative to your circumstances, your temptations, your career. You see what I'm saying? How do you derive ethics? Ethics out of biblical principles. Well, I'm going to give you uh, four questions that are very helpful, helpful, helpful to that I, I have found. Um, I had, uh, I was, I, when Brother uh, Mark Foster was here, we were having a discussion about this, and um, he actually, he actually gave me four questions that he had taught um, and I got out my phone and, and, and wrote it down and made him repeat it to me because very, very good, very, very helpful. How do we perceive out of principles, how do we perceive a path, a way of being? How do we perceive what we're going to do and what we're not going to do? How do our lives become identity, worship, and witness? How does this happen? Okay, so the first question. Anything you're trying to figure out whether or not you should or shouldn't do it. The first question is this. Is it moral? Most of us, most of the time, know when something is moral, when something is immoral, and when we're lying to ourselves because we just want to do something. Making excuses. The first question, trying to figure out what you're going to do. Is it moral? 
The second question, is it modest? I don't just mean in the terms of wearing Speedos uh, to the beach. Please don't. No one wants to see that much of you. You have not been in the gym enough to do that. It's, it, it's an embarrassment. You lose your witness. It can't say it's worship to God. And don't give me the ignorance about you're made in the image of God. Honey, God looks better than you do. I'm not just talking about modest in the sense of showing your hind end too much. I'm talking about modest in every area of our life. Having a sense of walking humbly before our God. So question number one, is it moral? Question number two, is it modest? Question number three, is it in moderation? The difference, modest is what other people decide about you. Moderation is what you decide to self-limit. In other words, you can be make decisions that the average people that you're trying, the average person you're trying to be a witness to would think that was uh, that's too much. You see, uh, three is it in moderation and fi- uh, uh, moderation. Number four, finally, what is my motive? Because it doesn't matter if it's right if your motive's wrong. Right. You've destroyed the good that's in it. Four questions. What do we do with spiritual principles that we're applying in a modern context? What do we do? Number one, these are four questions to help us. Number one, is it moral? Number two, is it modest? Number three, is it in moderation? Number four, what is our motive? What is our motive? Let's all stand. close your eyes for a moment. I want you to imagine you've lived a full life. I want you to imagine that you're at the end of your life and there's a a deep weariness on you, but there's also a satisfaction. You're surrounded by people you love. And because you're at the end of life, it's really hard to tell the difference between sleep and unconsciousness. It's just, you're either there or you're not there. But in a moment, Everything changes and you see this growing light come towards you. And you think it's a dream, but there's some part of you that wonders if maybe you've crossed over. And there you realize you're before the face of God. Just imagine for a moment. At that moment, you look into his face and it makes per- this moment makes perfect sense now, but you could never describe it to anybody still in the flesh. It's as though the best song you've ever heard is being sung. It's as though the most beautiful scene you've ever laid your eyes upon and the majesty of nature is before you. It's almost as though the beauty is so indescriptible it hurts. But yet it's whole and you realize you're standing before the presence, the face of God. 
and his face broadens in a smile. And he says to you, my child, my child, my child. And you know in that moment, you've been gathered into his heart. You were not your own, but you've been returned to the source you're drawn into this indescriptible place of perfect wholeness, fulfillment, joy, completeness. And you realize at that moment, you did the right thing by making your life not about the flesh, not about the sins of the flesh, not about the lusts of the flesh, but you desired a different kind of kingdom and you sought that kingdom. Church, a day is going to come where if we get this right, washed in his blood, we're going to be with him forever. It's going to be worth every hard mile. It's going to be worth every time you said no to your flesh. It's going to be worth every time you disciplined your carnal nature. It's going to be worth everything you did to have God accept you and smile and usher you into his presence. It's going to be worth it. Lord Jesus, we want to be your people. Church, say it with me. Lord, we want to be yours. We want to serve you. We want to walk with you. We want to stand with you. We want to be partakers of your nature. I pray, Lord, that you would let your spirit transform us where this world is not so tempting to us. The path of the flesh is not so desirous to us. But we have been transformed by your nature and we now have your heart. And we see with your eyes and we love with your heart. Let it happen in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And can everybody say in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704 704- 445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.